Hello everyone and welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Uh, or the RPG Rewind as we want to call it, I don't know. We're just making this up as we go along. Uh, just a quick introduction, this podcast is dealing with RPGs that are not modern. Uh, that's probably the dumbest thing to possibly say right now, but basically anything that's over two years old and beyond, we're going to cover here. We're not coming to you as experts. We're tell you every single thing that is, you know, has to do with these games, has to do with it, whatever. We're just here to discuss it in modern times, just to kind of give people an idea of what you might have missed and give our experiences with them. In some cases, maybe one of us hasn't even played the game, so you can be just like one of us in this case. Let me introduce myself real quick. My name is Michael Cunningham. I'm known as Max Storm on RP Gamer. I am the head of public relations currently. With me today is Jonathan Self, head of New Updates. Jonathan, say hello. Hello, hello. I said only to say hello once, but okay, you can do it twice. And also with us today is Glenn Wilson, also known as Seventh Circle on RP Gamers. Say hello, Glenn, a staff reviewer. Hello, Glenn, a staff reviewer. Hey, good, and you even used the southern accent. It sounded just like me. I used to have one when I was a kid. I'm sorry. I really am. Well, let's jump right into this today. We are going to start today, just kind of their little pilot episode of this, just to kind of see how it goes, where it goes, and you know, get the feedback from there. We have picked an RPG that all of us have some experience with, some level of experience with, and today's RPG for August 19th, 2008, is Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. Woo! Who, Yay! Who here's, who here's played it? I've played it. It's been a really long time, though, for me. It has been for me, too. I, I played it when it first came out, initially, and I know that I just recently tried to replay it. And I say when it first came out initially, and I guess it, you know we should probably state that it did come out back in 1996 in North America, and it was a Super Nintendo RPG. It was one of the last ones Square made, too, if I remember right. I think it was one of the last Super Nintendo games I ever got. Yeah, because it wasn't uh, N64 and 97, I think it was. Something right before the N64 came out. 96? I thought the N64 was 96. It was 96. September of 96 is when it came out. So it was the same year, just earlier in the year, that it came out. Um, I guess one thing, just going to state real quick. For those that don't know, and I'm sure plenty of people have dealt with this game, maybe others haven't, but this game was developed by Square with, you know, workings and guidance from Nintendo, so it was a joint effort. It was actually published by Nintendo, but it, you know, was a game that was tossed out there by Square and Nintendo together that kind of started the whole blend of, you know, genre blending between RPGs and, you know, the Super Mario or I almost call it a genre, the whole platform <laughs> thing. That it seems like Mario's its own genre at this point. But, you know, just a little bit about it. What were your first impressions when you picked up Super Mario RPG or first saw it? What about you, Glenn? Uh... That was back in the days when I got all of my Super Nintendo advice straight from the trustworthy mouths of Nintendo Power, and they told me it was going to be great, so I, mean, I believed them. <laughs> you can't deny that. They're <laughs> Nintendo Power. Why would they lie to us? 
I remember when I was a kid, my mother said, you know, you just stop trusting them to power. It's just, you know, PR and they lie to you. And I said, no, mom, look, they gave Barbie's Dream Mall Vacation a really low score. They give games low scores. You can trust them. <laughs> but yes, to be young and uh, <laughs> ignorant about the world. Yeah, so, nice. yeah, I was looking forward to it. Uh, as a kidling, I don't remember thinking that Square made it. I don't know if, if I just forgot or it was stupid or something. I just thought it was a Nintendo game. And it was one of the last, might have been the last Super Nintendo game I ever got. And, I mean, I was looking forward to it. I already loved RPGs by then. Final Fantasy II for Super Nintendo was my first RPG. And I had uh, got about every major one that came out. So, I mean, I'd already played Lupia II and Secret of Mana and the Final Fantasies and Chrono Trigger. So, this was the last one. And, yeah, I mean, I was, I was looking forward to it. The graphics were different. I remember thinking that it didn't have that typical 2D pixely look. It kind of had a good fake 3, 3D thing going on that, you know, started putting Donkey Kong Country to shame way before it became trendy to make fun of Donkey Kong Country for its mm-hmm. lame attempts at looking 3D. I remember when it first came out, and I'll ask Jonathan here in a second, but the biggest thing that caught my eye right away is if it had just been called Super Mario Legend of the Seven Stars, I probably wouldn't have touched it, or, or maybe I would have. I don't know. At that time, I guess I was semi-burnout on Mario I'd played Super Mario World to death and was like, eh, I want something else. I'd really gotten into Final Fantasy IV, you know, two as it was known here. But, uh, and I guess Final Fantasy VI, gone through all that. I too had played Lufia II and a host of other RPGs. So, I guess it really was good marketing, even though it seems like a really odd thing to look at at the time for them to call it Super Mario RPG. What were your thoughts when you first saw it, Nice? Or Jonathan. We'll call you Jonathan. We'll call you whatever. We'll pick, not you. Yeah, I don't really care either way. I even refer my refer myself as to nice in real life sometimes. It's kind of strange. I need a tag for my car or something like that. Anywho, um, as far as I can remember, the first time I ran into it was... um, I rented it, actually. Because, you know, the Super Nintendo was kind of a golden age of renting games. And that's really when I got into big into games in general... Not necessarily RPGs, you know, back in the days when you rent basically everything the store has at some point or another. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing that stuck out to me really well was the fact that it was isometric. It's um, And that, I guess, if people don't know what isometric is, it's kind of like a quasi-3D. It's not really 3D. Quasi-3D? Yeah, quasi-3D. And uh, the fact it's so bubbly and happy, I mean, how could you just not love it? It's like the best thing ever. It is ever. bubbly and happy. It is very bubbly and happy. I think the thing that caught my eyes, you know, I was looking for any RPG just anywhere whatsoever because I was young. I guess young. I was 15 at the time to date myself a little bit. And going back through there, and when it loaded up the screen and it said Nintendo slash Square as far as the development, that really, I don't think I went into it knowing that Square had anything to do with it either. And... You know, not that I'm going to say that I was an ever-loving Square fanboy or a Nintendo fanboy at the time, but we really didn't have many other RPGs with the exception of, like, Fantasy Star and Shining Force. And, you know, I know there's others that I'm not mentioning right now, but they were kind of the de facto RPG company at the time. So seeing something new for a system that I had and not having a game to play at the time, it really, I was like, whoa, this is made by Square. So I kind of jumped into it and just kept on playing. When I was a kid, we used to rent games a lot, too, and RPGs was the one genre that my brother and I always had an easy time getting or tricking our parents into buying for us. So we could show them, you know, this is a 20-hour game. You should spend 50 bucks on it. But, you know, if they bought us, 
how I can't think of a good sarcastic example without offending lots of people. But if they, they got us one of the games, you know, like Contra 3. We used to rank Contra 3. And, like, you could sit down and, even as a kid, and, like, beat Contra 3 in an hour. Yeah, so, like, that was a game we weren't really going to tell our parents to spend 50 bucks on. It's like, RPGs were easy. If a game had RPG in the title, which this may be the only game that ever had RPG in the title, but, like, that made it easy, so. Like, you could say, uh, it's going to be a long game, buy it for me. And then, you know, they would say, yes, son. Done. <laughs> yeah, but that was... I know that's one thing that kept us shut up for the longest times. They'd be like, oh, they're in their, they're in their room playing games. I didn't care what I was playing. I didn't know what I was playing at the time. I just, you know, just the fact that it was an RPG and that I was playing it nonstop, I guess, kept them happy because they didn't have to deal with me. You're renting bubble bath, babes. Parents don't care about that. I don't know. I actually, I knew think a... they were the ones that rented it. So. Oh yeah, that's always true. I I knew actually knew a rental store that had that. I was really tempted at one point just to rent it and not return it, considering the price. Uh, I used to rent Game Boy games all the time too. It was Game Boy and Super Nintendo around that time we used to rent. Yeah, I had some same experiences there. We used to have a little small drugstore that we could rent games for. They'd actually let you rent games for like a week. And that's like unheard of today, and it was really cheap. So. It was like 99 cents. Yeah, mm-hmm. 99 cents, you keep the game for a week back in the day. Yeah, and I'd rent games. I think Lagoon was one of the last ones that I remember doing, and you know, it was a horrible action RPG. But, you know, it was fun to go through and at least play, so very similar to Super Mario RPG. It was able to, you know, games like that are just really able to jump up and grab your attention for long amounts of time, even when we're kids. It seems like we're just doing more reminiscing right now than anything. Uh, um, what about some of the Super Mario RPG? What really caught you about the gameplay of it? What do you think, Jonathan? It was Mario, and it wasn't in real time. And I, you know, back then you really don't know the difference between real time and not real time. And even back then, I can't honestly say I, I had a strong recognition of who Squaresoft was, really. But I always liked quirky and unique things. And and you know, since it was turn-based, and you know, like one of the characters you could have was a cloud. You know, that that was about as quirky as it could get. And anything yeah. different from the sea of platformers on the Super Nintendo was always a welcome change. So that was most of my attraction to it. I know my skills with any kind of game, and still to this day, I'm you know probably a, a weak, pathetic gamer by most gamers' standpoints. So the fact that it was turn-based and still had some action elements to it was really interesting to me. What what really stood stood out to you, Glenn? I thought it was really funny. It was one of the first RPGs I remember playing that was just humorous. Because some of the other Square games, I mean, the humor always for you know back back in the days, the translations were uh, not not great. You know, the one translator might get two weeks to translate an entire RPG. And Super Mario RPG is one of the first games I remember. It just, it being consistently funny, the jokes in it. Not like I was, you know, rolling on the floor, clutching my sides in laughter. But it was the first time I bothered. It wasn't just a madman trying to destroy the world and we're going to, you know, knock him off his throne. I mean, this was like, character interactions were really funny. And uh, the, the battle system, I loved as a kid, that it was interactive. You don't just select fight. And then, you know, drink some coffee and wait for the animation and then select fight and then drink some coffee. I drank coffee as a kid and then <laughs> wait for the animation. I really did. So, <laughs> I mean, this is a game that, you know, you were on the edge of your seat, but you, the, the button presses, the timing, mashing a button while a skill was going on. And I still think that's one of the, for me, the standard, one of the best games that has an interactive, a turn-based but interactive battle system. I think Super Mario RPG really hit it on the head. And I don't think many games have done it that well since. So it was, it was mostly the humor and yeah. keeping me awake during battles. 
And going back to what you were saying, though, it, it really was like a bad guy trying to destroy the world, but it was so tongue-in-cheek that it didn't take itself yeah. seriously. You know, we start off with Mario going to rescue Princess Toadstool, just like he always does, from Bowser's Castle, you know, typical RPG fair, or typical Mario fair, and I guess in some aspects RPG fair. And then, you know, a giant sword comes crashing down into Bowser's castle, sends them all away, knocks them loose, and, you know, this big old sword thing, part of the Smithy gang, comes and decides it's going to you know, take over the world. That's and all the villains are goofy. All the villains were goofy and, like, lovable and almost harmless. Mm-hmm. You know, they, were, they were more, like, misunderstood. Uh, what was the guy's name with the tower? Booster? Oh, I think so. I don't know. Like, Booster's tower I thought was hilarious. Was it Booster? Let me see. Boomer, something like that. Boomer. Yes, okay. it was. So yeah, like Boom, Boomer's tower, where he like he kidnaps Princess Toadstool and like wants to marry her or something. <laughs> like you end up running all the way up the tower to get him, and then he falls down the hill. Like, just that whole tower was goofy. It was like a giant toy land with, and all the the mini games were really good in my opinion. And Super Mario RPG. It was yeah. one of the first games that gave you a breadth of mini games to play and worked into the plot and made them fun and made them not suck. And it really had the whole Mario aspect going for it, because, you know, it could toss in Mario-style platforming mini-games. I know there was one where you're rolling down the little river in barrels, and you can jump into yeah. coins. Yeah. And, uh... You could go, and you could do it later, and the rewards were often worth it. They, they had mini-games that you wanted to replay because they were fun, but then they also rewarded you. It wasn't like, you know another sword that's not nearly as good as the sword you already have, or something that doesn't matter in the game at all, like collecting ribbons or something, and then you can go to a screen and look at all the beautiful ribbons you have. I mean, the, the game rewards you with items you needed and weapons that you needed. Right. They were fun to play. And looking back, it's Booster. Booster was the name of the character that you're talking about. Okay. Uh, it was Booster's Tower. I just happened to see that. And uh, he was the one that was trying to marry Princess Toadstool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everything about the game... Um, it was neat, but at the same time, there was a whole lot of, you know, they didn't really, considering this was Square, and they did have their own little tie-ins into it, you know, it wasn't like a Kingdom Hearts-style blend of Square Enix and Mario's RPG-type stuff. It was nice that it had, um, uh, let's see, it was nice that they had a good blend of things as far as style without having the crossover thing. You know, if it had been... I guess as a kid, if it had been, like, Super Mario meets Final Fantasy, a la Kingdom Hearts style, I would have probably gushed even more about it. But <laughs> looking back now, I probably wouldn't, you know, look at it as... I definitely wouldn't think it was near as original as it is now. Or was then. And at a time when RPGs had real specific and defined jobs, like Princess Toadstool, one of her weapons was like an umbrella. You push it at the right time, the umbrella pops out for more damage. Or, like, you could play as Bowser, I thought was great as a kid, where he has the chain chomp. You can, like, beat up a chain chomp, and then you yes. feel sorry for it, so Bowser takes it, and that's his weapon for a while. He, he throws at the enemies. I just I thought the weapons were really creative, too. I never played with Gino or Mallow. Sentient god star dolls just didn't really do it for me. I thought it was great that you could play as, as Princess <laughs> and as Bowser and as Mario. And I probably played the game five or six times through. I don't think I ever used Gino at all, and oh, just man. Mallow at the start when you have to. Aww. They really should put you... Mallow in another in another game. He's he's one of my favorite characters. I was hoping for a trophy or something in Super Smash Brothers, but no luck. Oh, 
He's kind of a wuss. <laughs> well, he's a clown. Think about I mean, being able to play as Bowser. I mean, that was probably the coolest thing for me as a kid. Is I always had a soft spot for the villains. I always liked the villains. I loved when you know it got turned around and you were able to play as a villain. So the yeah. fact that Bowser was playable on your team, I was like, woohoo! And Bowser was a boob. Like it finally explains why he keeps capturing the princess and failing. Like he's a complete fool. This was the game that finally gave personalities outside of. Nintendo Power strategy guides, you know, like, yeah. it had more than a paragraph about how Bowser sits in his castle all day drinking lava. Like, you finally got to see him. And Square handled it really well. They made him, you know, a complete and utter, you know, a brute and a moron. Yep. He was, you know, constantly failing at stuff. It showed how, uh, you know, useless he really seemed in the long run. He was always just big and boisterous, but he wasn't, you know... I think the scene where his troops desert him, like he's trying to rally the troops to go get his castle back. And as the game goes on, you run into him a few times, and his, his troops are smaller and smaller and smaller, and they start deserting him because he's uh, such a fool. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as far as other aspects of this game goes, I know one thing that was really interesting to me, and I, w- I won't even try to touch names, but the music in this game was, was fantastic, at the time at least, and it was... Uh, Yoko, yeah, somebody kill me for saying this. Yamaha. Shimomura? Yoko Yamaha. Yeah, people can <laughs> Yamaha. Kawasaki. Shimomura. Uh, and it was done, there was original music in there, and there was also other arrangements of stuff that uh, Kondo had done from you know Super Mario, plus you know a few arrangements of stuff that Uematsu had done from Final Fantasy. So I thought the music was just amazing in there, because you got to jump in, you'd hear some remix stuff of some of the classic Mario themes, plus some, in a couple places, you could hear some of the remix stuff from Final Fantasy. I don't know, maybe I just like video game music way way too much. Oh, I'm with you. I think that Super Nintendo had some great music in their RPGs coming out of Square, and I mean, compared to Final Fantasy 2 and 3 and Chrono Trigger, the music wasn't quite at that level, I didn't think, but it was very good. And I, I mean, I can still whistle some of the songs from Super Mario RPG, so I can't say that for many of the PS2 games I've played in the last year or two. Yeah. What do you think, Nice? What do you, uh, as far as uh, the whole setting goes? I know you said you really liked the whole visual aspect of it, the fact it was isometric and, you know, cute, bubbly 3D. What was your other impression of the whole visual and oral presentation of the game? Uh, pretty decent, as far as I can remember. I mean... I wasn't very much of a deep gamer back then, and I, even still, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a shallow gamer. I I like my eye candy, and I like things to look nice. So uh, that's the thing that stuck with me the most. The music I do remember was very good. I can't distinctly hum a song exactly, but uh, <laughs> considering it was a Square, you know, game. In fact, I can't really think of many games outside of Square that I actually remember any of the music from from the Super NES days. They were so iconic. But the world in general, yeah, like some of the humorous things like in, in the very beginning of the game, you start in a house and there was like a pot and if you, I, I'm probably remembering this wrong, but if you banged on it, you could get Toad or someone to pop out of it and it was, mm-hmm. it was just, could, and like, there and chat with Toad. Yeah, or the things with frogs, wasn't there frogs in it at some point? And, there were musical frogs. Yes, there was frog fuchsias. Yes, frog fuchsias. <laughs> I mean, just things like that, you know, it's, it's like something that you would see on some zany, Saturday morning cartoon. That's almost what it was like. And, you know, not that Mario was ever serious by any means. I mean, you know, he's a plumber who hits blocks, and why is a plumber fighting a giant dinosaur anyway? And 
His, right. his bowels are really a dinosaur anyway, you know, but um, they just kind of took it totally off the wall, and, you know, that's something that I think still agrees with it, and I'm not sure if they've ever gone back to that same place, that level of zaniness that they once had in the game, but... No, and, and that's one thing, you know, I was just talking about, you know, the music and how it was kind of done by somebody who's fairly big name now, comparatively, and... Uh, Shimomura's done stuff for like Parasite Eve, Kingdom Hearts, and is going to be doing the music for Final Fantasy Versus 13. And you also had, you know, as far as the development team goes, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto was pretty much the guiding producer behind the game. He wasn't, uh, you know, the developer in there hands-on, you know, like I guess never really was, but <clears throat> just the fact that it had such a kind of what we'd consider now to be semi-all-star type cast behind it. And, you know, the other developer, I guess, Chihiro... Yeah, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> I'm too Southern to get all these names correct and all that fun stuff. But a lot of the developers from that, they really haven't... I guess this is a good time to kind of talk about the direction that it took from there. We'd never really seen like a direct sequel, you know, never seen Super Mario RPG 2. But for all intents and purposes, the series continued way beyond Super Mario RPG. It, it created its, its own, you know, whole series from there because I guess the next step up that it jumped out from there was uh, it started the Paper Mario series, which took a, and I guess the Paper Mario and the Mario and Luigi series both kind of spun off from this. But it, you know, I guess I would be thrilled if I heard tomorrow that they were going to do a sequel. You know, there was something that they were going to try to grab that same kind of success that they had had with Super Mario RPG and were turning away from, you know, whoever, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the Paper Mario series, Super Paper Mario, anything like that. But it would be nice to see something in the exact same vein as Super Mario RPG because the other points in the series, the other games and the other kind of tie-in series are good, but, you know, they have that same kind of zany humor, but I think the gameplay, I don't know. I guess it really didn't change it that much because it really did kind of go with the same style of turn-based meets platforming RPG what do you think? Have you all played any of these succeeding games from there? Succeeding games? I'm Paper sad, Mario? I'm sad to say I've never played a Paper Mario game. And I never played any of the uh, Mario and Luigi games on uh, the GBA or DS either. That was during my dark days of online game playing. I don't talk about those times anymore. <laughs> I guess for all intents and purposes, I did read somewhere that initially the Paper Mario had once been titled Super Mario RPG 2. Really? But I don't think it ever was going to involve Square. I think it was going to be uh, developed by Nintendo. I mean, the same way Paper Mario was just developed by Nintendo. I mean, right. and who knows? I mean, maybe that's one reason why they haven't tried to rename it. Maybe there's... I can't imagine that Nintendo would let Square own any part of the trademark of that name, but, you know, maybe there's some legal issues where they couldn't just carry on the line. I think Square is probably just copyrighted RPG, and you can't really use that. Yeah, you can't really use that, part. yeah. Because it's a concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're inventing it. You know, as I do some research on Wikipedia, and I don't know how 
true this is, but it said Square's involvement in the original game, you know, made it impossible to do a direct sequel without Square's permission. So that's why they changed it to Paper Mario and continued on in a kind of a different setup. And I guess the at that point in time was kind of when the Super Nintendo had gone away and you didn't really see anything from Square on the Nintendo 64. So no, that was I guess the, that was during the dark periods when um uh, they were going to release a I can't I'm, some of my video game console history is a little bit unlocked, but uh, they were going to release we'll, like we'll a a CD attachment for the Super Nintendo, I think that's what they're going to have, and it was going to be with Sony, but yeah. then Nintendo found out that Sony was demanding royalties on every game that they were going to sell, and that's what yeah, happened. Sony didn't want to do it for free, and that caught yeah. Nintendo off guard. That's why Square uh, Soft moved over to the PlayStation, because Sony just took it and made the PlayStation, and you know Square, because their games were huge, didn't want to bother with the cartridges anymore, so that's, right. what, that's when the dark I, days of Nintendo RPG started. I think that Super for Mario RPG's legacy is more like kind of akin to Chrono Trigger, where you took a company that was extremely good at making RPGs, got a few genius minds together to make some concept, concepts, and you just got something singular and unique and outstanding, and there will never really be a sequel, and it will never really be done again, because those people will never get together again and make a game. Like I think it's... Whereas Chrono Trigger is vastly loved, I think Super Mario RPG is more overlooked. I'm... I mean, I enjoyed Chrono Trigger more than Super Mario RPG, but I, I feel like Super Mario RPG was one of the best games in the Super Nintendo, and you don't see people that, that seem to think that way very often. And I've, I played one of the Mario & Luigi games, and it, it was horrible. I don't, I don't remember which one it was. I couldn't finish it. It was, it was one of those games I got about four hours in and traded it back to GameStop as soon as possible. Uh, I know what you mean. The, it had Fawful in it, and that, that was the only thing. I got through a few of Fawful's dialogues that were hilarious, and then it went back to being bland again, and I couldn't. So I went online to download a script of everything Vaffle says because I thought it was so funny. And I considered <laughs> you checked it off wow. as complete, it's done. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I played Thousand Year Door, and I I also didn't like Thousand Year Door. I thought it was bland. They, they tried to go for the zany humor. I just didn't think it worked quite as well. And I thought the battle system was, I mean, if possible, even simpler than it was before. It just it kind of bored me. And I thought all the side quests were very fetch questy. Yeah, just didn't really engage me that well. I finished it. I just didn't. I didn't like it that much. And see, the Paper Mario series was developed by Intelligent Systems, and you know it started with Paper Mario on the Nintendo 64, then Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door for the GameCube, and just recently Super Paper Mario last year for the Wii. Now I played a little bit of, of Paper Mario. Uh, unfortunately, I don't own it and didn't get to play all the way through it. I didn't get to touch Thousand Year Door. I've, I've heard mixed reviews on that one, so, you know, you're saying you couldn't stand it. Yeah, and a lot of people loved it, though. They're, they're crazy, and, uh, well, I'm not, so take that as you will. <laughs> I, I heard there was some obsession with trying to get Peach naked and having her go topless through stuff, but you didn't actually ever see anything. It was just kind of a whole what? Uh, disturbed aspect of the no. game. Yes. You just make that up? No. I never heard that. No, there is, it is, um... I'll have to look it up and get the details. I know I've heard this somewhere, but apparently a lot of the, not a whole lot of the game, I've heard there's different parts in it where they're trying to get her naked, and that's sure to appeal to somebody. Let's see. I'm sure it's Oh, YouTube for you. Or I'm sure it'll probably appeal to a lot of people in Japan. I mean, some people in Japan are, yeah. It's like the whole Moe thing. That's just, yeah. 
<laughs> I, I don't want to go any further than that. But for some reason, you know, it, uh, there were, I think there was some treasure or some map she had to get. She had to be naked. I don't know. I think I must have purged all memories of that game from my mind because uh, princess nudity doesn't really ring a bell. Well, they didn't show anything. You know, they got to be friend, family friendly and all. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, that game had some good good gameplay concepts in it. It just I, don't know, I thought it was a little boring. I still haven't played Paper Mario for the N64. I might, I might someday. I don't know. I haven't, it's I haven't given up on console it. now. Yeah, that's the only reason why I might play it someday. But one thing that is not out on Virtual Console that has been rated is Super Mario RPG. And you it's know. out in Japan, right? Yes. And see, we don't have it. It has been rated by the ESRB, I believe, here, if I'm not mistaken. But still haven't seen it here. It came out in June yeah, of but this year. But the ESRB ratings, it's kind of hit or miss. I mean, Earthbound yeah. was also rated by the ESRB, and that might never come out either. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if in the United States there's some sort of trapped legalities that, that's stopping it from being released. Who knows? They do seem to they do seem to announce a lot of things via ESRB that we never actually see. It would be nice to see it. And I think they said that uh, the listing has been removed recently, but it was rated initially. Yeah. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Well, if not... You never know with it being removed or not. Um, I guess it's a little bit conspiracy theory, but uh, though... All these leaks have been happening recently, and the ESRB recently stated that they were going to crack down on them and, and make sure that nothing else leaked out. So maybe they just went back through and started re- erasing things that they weren't supposed to be known about. So I'm not sure that might be some sort of fallout of that, but I might be speculating completely. So, Would you like to, you know, I know, Jonathan, you said you didn't really get a chance to play it except one time, and, you know, your experience with it was so long ago... What would you like to see it on? Would you like to see it be a virtual console? Would you like to see a, a port to the DS, a complete remake, a sequel, you know, something other than the Paper Mario, Mario and Luigi stuff? I would love to see a DS port, and I, I, I'm biased on a couple reasons like that. I love my DS very much. I love handheld gaming in general. And um, something like a DS port, I imagine that they would still have the rights and legalities to release that game and not modify it. If they were to re-release something, I mean, especially if they could release it for virtual console, there's no absolutely no reason I don't see why they couldn't port it over to the DS. And at the very least, there's so many, um, even if it was just in Japan, I mean, that'd be easy enough. It's not like there's a thousand guides on the game in general. You could find some way to um, yeah. read the Japanese translation of it, but that way the graphics could stay semi-intact, and, you know, the music would be somewhat intact, even though I think the DS's sound chip's a little bit more advanced, but... I'd really like to see a DS port of it. You know, they've done it for so many other Super Nintendo games. That, like you said, you know, logistically, seems like it would be easy to just bring this same game with an extra dungeon or <laughs> some new changes to it, you know, just some minor stuff. That seems to be the, the way of sorts, but it's hard to say because, you know, it's Square Enix and it's Nintendo. It's not yeah. And Nintendo isn't really... The other. Nintendo... I mean, they're not huge on the remakes like Square is. I mean, Square loves money. If they can make money off it, I mean, I know someday <laughs> they're going to release a Final Fantasy VII game. They are going to release a Final Fantasy VII game. If they can get the right people in place, because they love, they're going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars off of it. There's no arguing that. But I'm not sure if Nintendo is quite like that, so. I'm, I'm sure that they probably hold a larger stake in what happens to 
Super Mario RPG than Square does. It was probably just, you know, I'm not how the, sure how it all worked out, but I'm sure they were just assisting in the development. From what I understand, Nintendo holds on very tightly to its properties, and they won't let anybody else touch them but themselves. Yeah, I can understand that, and you know, from some of the things we've seen in the past few years with games like Mother 3 and all of that, you know, if they're not going to do it, nobody's going to, so. Yeah. What about you, uh, Glenn? What, what would you think? Would you like to see any changes? Would you like to just continue? I don't know. Do you still have a copy of it for Super Nintendo that you play? I do. The, the last time I bothered hooking my Super Nintendo up to a television, it was to play Super Mario RPG again, and that was about five years ago. Wow. So it's been a while. Now, wow, can... what? That was so long ago? Like, yeah. My Super Nintendo's not connected to a TV. That's the wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, I actually did the same thing. Um, when I got married, like, three years ago, my wife and I moved into a small apartment, didn't have all the consoles there yet, but, you know, I just married her because she had a Super Nintendo, and mine was broken <laughs> at the time, so she had her Super Nintendo there, and I had my game, so I hooked it up, I guess it was in 2005, and, you know, started trying to replay, and that was the first thing I popped in, was Super Mario RPG. And, good taste. Well, the thing is, I didn't think it had aged well. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> it just... I don't know if it was the uh, fact that I just recently, right before that, or I guess it wasn't right before that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I'd just gotten through playing, but I guess I should try it again. Because since then, I've played through the you know Mario and Luigi Partners in Time for DS, which was funny, but I didn't really like either because at the end, the final boss just made me want to smash my DS into millions of pieces. And then uh, Super Paper Mario had played that. And, you know, it was just last year that I played that one. But I don't know. I, I would like to see some freshness. If they were to redo something, I'd kind of like to see, I guess, a cleaned-up port, too. I don't know. If they, I don't made a port of, port. if they made a port of it... I would have the same mindset with it that I do toward Chrono Trigger. That I, w I'm not, I wouldn't buy it. I have a Super Nintendo that works. I still have all my Super Nintendo cartridges, and they work. I wouldn't buy a port to the DS. But I would be happy if they did it, just as a game that I like as a nerd and as a gamer, and the thought that it'll be available for, pe for people to buy and play, and maybe I won't feel like one of the few people in the world who really liked it. So I might be able to find fanboys to hug me and agree with me. and <laughs> <laughs> We'd all be happy together. <laughs> and I can agree with that, because... You know, at one point I want to say, yes, yes, I'd love to see a, a port just for the sake of other people getting to experience the same thing I did, because it's not like you can readily find copies of this nowadays, or Super Nintendos easily. I know eBay and stuff, but it's not, you know, just out there in the open. So, you know, it's, it's something I would like to see redone. I guess the Virtual Console would probably be the ideal thing for me, you know, instead of shelling out all this money for a port to the DS. I think the Virtual Console would probably be a good option if it can make it over here to the States. Historically, I don't really buy ports. I mean, if I already have a game playing it for a new console, even if it has a new translation, there's only two games I've ever bought a port for. I don't... Uh, I mean, I only own one copy of Super Mario Bros. 3, despite the fact that they've ported it about a dozen times since. You know, it's... That, that idea doesn't really appeal to me. Right. But, I mean, more power to them if they do. I feel like it wouldn't be, it'd be hard to remake, like to, to do an overhaul like it, like it's been done with Final Fantasy 4DS. I think the, the visual style and the way the gameplay worked 
you know, as yeah. Nice said, was the isometric viewpoint was so important to it. I think it would be a, an awkward game to do an overhaul for. I think if you did, you'd have the other games that were made. You'd have stuff like, you know, I mean, the, the fact that Super Mario, or Paper Mario and the Mario and Luigi series exist kind of defeat the fact of doing a remake. It would be, I just don't see a remake of it happening, you know, anything like that, just for a lot of the reasons you said. Can you imagine what it even looked like in 3D? I mean, it would be... Maybe if it was on the N64 or something, but no, no, not now. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think we even have to worry about it. I think chances are what we're going to have for the next little while is the paper style. I'd say that's probably the most popular out of all of those. I'd say if anything, you know, maybe they'll go back and try to do something similar to... You know, Super Mario RPG using the paper style like they did for the N64 and all that instead of, I don't know, there's, there's been talk that Paper Mario is going to be ported to the DS, remade on the DS. You know, that was announced in Japan a while back very vaguely with no details about it. So whether or not that truly happens or not is still up in the air, but I think that's what we're going to be seeing for the next little while. I doubt we'll ever have any kind of just like Glenn said, you know, it's it's done. They're not going to have that team together again. You know, Intelligent yeah. Systems is just going to do their thing and continue to make the Paper Mario series is what I would imagine. Sadness. I agree, I agree with me, too. Yeah. See, you're smart. You should. <laughs> you wholeheartedly agree with your own opinion? <laughs> yeah, I haven't changed my mind in the last hour. Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about or discuss on this? I know the only other thing I was thinking about is just how universally well it was received. It, you know, not that it was getting, you know, five out of fives or hundred percent across the board, but it was fairly well received throughout the gaming community. What would you say? Most people seem to think it was good but didn't really like the fact that it was different, if I remember right. Just people I talked to who played it. Uh, back when I used to have friends that played video games. It was people, like, good, not great. You know, it's right. remembered as being, uh, what's, I guess maybe on par with, like, Lufia 2 would be an example. Like, a good RPG that came out in the Super Nintendo, but Something if you had to go fun. back and play one, you're going to play one of the better ones. Yeah. Something fun. I don't know. And, and that's what I tried to do a couple years ago, is to give it another shot. And I can't say that I was turned off by it. I just didn't think it aged as well as it could have. But that's just me. Jonathan, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, not specifically. Kind of hard All to right. say. I mean, I really enjoyed the game, but it's uh, just nice hearing you guys talk about it because it's been such a long time since I played it. And um, I don't know. I wasn't a very bright kid. I didn't pay attention to many things. I think my, my short-term memory must have died a little bit back then, so... <laughs> Maybe one of the mini games got you stuck. You couldn't figure out how to fall down the waterfall while collecting coins and, you know, that went back to playing Asteroids or something. Yeah, that might have been it, yeah. Most of my time, actually, on my Super Nintendo RPGs is... I mean, I played a lot of the good titles, but I would just play them over and over and over again. I think I... Someone's going to hate me for this, but I think I played Mystic Quest probably about 30 times over again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate you, I pity you. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> I think I, that's I, what I would say. I really liked the game, it was just... Yeah, I was bored one summer... I, I finished Seven Saga. I, I finished Seven Saga, and I'm I'm the only person I've ever known that finished it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't touch Seven Saga. If I did, it was probably for about five minutes, and I was like, oh, I'm not playing this anymore. 
But no comment. I guess it was just that was back in the day when I was blinded by the light of, you know, shiny. So it, that's it what I did with Mystic game. Quest. I think I played Mystic Quest about seven minutes and then uh, never again. Well, I played right. Mystic Quest about halfway through and got stuck. It wasn't hard. I just couldn't figure out where physically that I was supposed to go in this one room. I mean, and then I came back to it and found it and beat it. I mean, seven minutes into Mystic Quest, it's like a third of the game. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really short game. already beaten 30 battles by then. Uh, you, know, I think you could beat it in a day. It was so short. But I guess on terms of... Uh, Super Nintendo RPG, Super Mario RPG would be something that uh, we would consider to be up there. I guess we can kind of tease for the next time around. Uh, This isn't planned to be a, I guess, a weekly podcast as much as it is a uh, possibly monthly or maybe bi-monthly, something along those lines. We'd just like to hear your feedback. Um, We've got a few things up our sleeve. We've got a few other games up our sleeve. Like we said, we're going for anything two years and older. So that really does open up a whole lot to us. We're going to try to go a little bit beyond the two years just to start with for the sake of uh, not being too current. Um, But we've got some tactical ideas for next time. So if anybody has any feedback, any comments, anything, uh, gentlemen, is there anything else you'd like to add before we close off for the day? Ogre Battle is excellent. Ogre Battle is excellent. That's a game I'd like a remake of. I think it's expensive to buy. And I like battle? Yeah. And I like Lemonade. See, we're teasing for next time. That's a good tease for next time. We can discuss a little bit of Ogre Battle next time. So, if that Battles doesn't have your... four hours long and you can't save in the middle of them. Hopefully that'll have your worst feet. <laughs> worst childhood memories is trying to convince my father that I should play Ogre Battle for four hours straight because I can't... Just, I can't You just pause, pause it. <laughs> you just turn off the TV and... <laughs> No, they waste power. You can't leave a console on all day back when I was a kid because that would waste power and drive up the electric bill. Well, of course. All right. Well, that is it for today for the RPG Backtrack. Uh, We're going to try to get everything up and running for you shortly, so hopefully if you do have any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, you know, leave them at the door. Come and tell us how great we are or how bad we are. Feel free to make suggestions. We'll probably ignore them for the first little bit because we've got a few things up our sleeve to start with, and there may be some stuff we're not totally familiar with. You know, there's some cases that we're probably going to touch on stuff when uh, maybe only one of us really knows about it, two of us kind of know about it, one of us may not have a clue about it. So, you know, we can kind of relate to the way a lot of our current RP gamers are, that you may not have played a lot of this old stuff. We're not the not claiming to be experts on them, but we're at least wanting to give you an idea. So, I mean, yeah, if... It takes so long anyways, I mean, you can't even try to hope to play everything. That'd be insanity. Yep. So, if there's nothing else, I just want to thank uh, Jonathan and Glenn for joining us today. And I believe that is it. It's time to rewind this and get back to real life. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye, folks. Bye.